Here we are. A wee 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 wim away. Wow. How do you how do you feel about the franchise sleeping tonight? <laughs> Dude, probably the weirdest franchise we've ever covered. In terms wow. of like what each of the movies are. What each one offers in the context <laughs> of the greater series. Yes. Truly bizarre. Truly stopped all forward momentum at Lion yes. King 2. Objectively yes. the worst film in the series. <laughs> yeah, so you've got the first film, which is like a cultural phenomenon, makes uh-huh. an unbelievable amount of money. The oh. second film, they're like, I don't know, put no effort into it whatsoever. <laughs> Drop it on video four years later. <laughs> which is so different from like how... They would do it today, you know. Like, that's Mm. also what's so wild about it. The third movie is a parody of the first movie. An officially licensed parody. Uh Uh-huh. Fourth movie is a remake. An ill-advised remake of the first movie. And then the fifth movie is, like, a retelling of the first movie again through, like, another medium. I feel like the only series to have gone through this many tortured iterations would be (laughs) Evil Dead. Which would also be an interesting series to do. But it is wild where it's like, what would you want? I love Black is King. And I think it's a great thing that it exists in the world. Mm -hmm. But it is not what I would have expected to come next in the Lion King series, necessarily looking at the previous films. (laughs) Had I expected, I mean, like, frankly, I would not not have expected anything at all. But certainly (laughs) not that. And then to say like what more could we possibly expect in the future in this world i feel like in the one sense beyonce really blew the hinges off of like what Mm. could be done with it and like what an adaptation of a disney film could really look like if you got like full artistic control over it which i think is really exciting but will other people with less name recognition and just like artistic power essentially will, will it will they be allowed to do that Or is it just reserved for people like Beyonce, you know? Because even Jon Favreau, Mm -hmm. they say, remake The Lion King. And, like, we saw what happened there. Yeah. But you're you're right that this is kind of, like, it's interesting to imagine the world where we just get The Lion King 1994. And then, like, 25 years later, we get Black is King, Mm. which is, like, Beyonce's take on it. It's also interesting to imagine the world where, like, Blackest King is the Lion King remake. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever get anything as, like, artistically bold as that. Yeah. And I'm sure that people would have been pissed. I'm sure that, like, families would have been... Middle America would have been up in arms if the Lion King came out in 2019 and it was Blackest King. But it also... Just has like so much more artistic value than yeah, like any other Disney thing. Yeah, in the last few years, do you have any sort of thought about us sort of seeing all the different ways that Disney has tried to make money off of this classic film? It's a lesson less about the series than it is about the trajectory of modern filmmaking. Hmm. What did I learn about the Lion King from watching the entire Lion King series in two (laughs) weeks? Uh, 
objectively not much more than I learned after watching the first Lion King. <laughs> yeah. But what did I learn about, you know, like the history of trends in American filmmaking since the 1990s? Let me break it down for a second. This is completely anecdotal and come up with on the spot, so take no, pay no credence to this whatsoever. But here's my take. So in the 90s, obviously, like The Lion King is not a genuinely new idea necessarily, but they were still like, it's fresh, it's cool. And they just like presented this kind of crazy idea on its own terms. It kicked ass. It just, like, mm-hmm. took off. And some things did and some things didn't. Like, it was an era of, like, yeah, we're just going to try this thing. We're just going to do it. And it's going to be artistically grand. And it might be a grand flop, but it'll be awesome. Like, I think of Dick Tracy. Something mm-hmm. that is, like, absurd, but is glorious, you know? Right. You, then you get the complete schlock, late 90s, Every idea is completely tired. We have no creative output anymore. It's pure capitalism. We're just trying to put more money in our pockets. That's the era when there were 15 Land Before Time direct-to-video releases a year. You know, just trying to just trying to get that sweet cash money. Like every time you went to the store as a kid, there was a new land before timeout, and you're like, I can't believe he's had that many adventures since I last was here. That's Uh, true. You really think we got to get to time eventually? Exactly. How far out were we? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then we have the early 2000s where, like, ha, we've got attitude. And that's our little uh, Lion King one and a half. We got a lot of uh, shows Mm -hmm. in that time period. Like, think about, like, shows and things that were coming out. You know, that Hannah Montana thing of, like, being aware that she's a performer, breaking the fourth, you know, like, breaking the wall between what's reality and what's performed. You think of, like, Shrek is another one that's kind of, like, in that self-aware, irreverent Mm -hmm. comedy zone. Then kick it back to old 20 the 20 teens and everybody's getting those sentimental feelings again and being like well maybe those stories that we grew up when we we were children were worth something they were like maybe we should just like try and redo those but of course money got in the way like it always does and ruined a good thing and like they overstepped themselves i think essentially it was hubris to say that we can make animals that look realer than real and we're going to put this nature documentary on the huge big screen and put uh-huh. all of your favorite singers like in this movie kicking it. And it's still not going to be good or it's still not going to be great the way the original was because some because it's like a facsimile of a thing. It's not like the thing itself. Yeah. And then Beyonce comes along and does the thing itself again because she's just taken the idea and like the core of what's interesting about it and done it and i feel like that's the era of filmmaking that we're like getting into i feel like that's what's really resonant about like so many of the directors that we've talked about that are new like the greta gerwig and the jordan peele and the ari aster sort of thing is that all of their movies are extremely personal but Mm -hmm. they're also like it's Mm -hmm. through their extremely personal detail attention to detail and like strong artistic vision that couldn't possibly be delivered to by anyone else that like makes those movies universal and makes them work for so many people. And I think like that's something that's really present in black is King. And I think that's something that's present in the original lion King, but I don't know about the others. 
No, that was awesome. I mean, I think you're totally right there. It's worth noting that we on this podcast did not cover or get to see The Lion King on Broadway, oh. which by all accounts is sort of the most moving mm. rendition of it after the first one. Okay. But it's also worth noting to your point that like The Lion King on Broadway is the single highest grossing thing in entertainment. Ever. Ever of anything. You said it was the highest, second, the first and second highest grossing animated films of all time are both Lion King, right? Uh, well, 1994, when it came out, was the highest grossing. Now, 2019 is the highest grossing. Okay. I believe that it is $8 billion is what The Lion King on Broadway has made. <laughs> Phantom of the Opera has made six. And the highest grossing movies are Avatar and Avengers Endgame, which are at $3 billion. Okay. So... Like, less than half what Damn. The Lion King on Broadway has done. So wild. And we also know that supposedly, somewhere in the Disney exec room, Barry Jenkins of Moonlight and the Underground Railroad and If Beale Street Could Talk has one of these Oculus VR sets strapped to his head and is oh, right. directing, directing Lion King too. <laughs> The Godfather Part 2 of the Lion King franchise. Oh my god. It's going to be more like the Irishman Part 2, because they're <laughs> going to have all this weird de-aging on all the animals. Like, if you thought the animals looked bad in 2019, just wait till they put all the de-aging stuff on the, to make the animals that were 50 years old in 2019 look like they're 20 years old in 2023. Oh, I wonder if he's going to uh, stick to that style. If it's mandated that he must, or if he's just oh. going to be like, no, I'm not doing it. How cool would it be if he like chose a more expressive animation style? Like, I think if you watch that movie, you can tell that Favreau knows it doesn't really work because like most of the shots are not on their faces. Like he's mm. done a lot to sort of keep it in wide shots and like not have many close-ups, not show you them talking very much. True. Would you be so bold as to hazard any sort of guess about what the next movement we may see? What in the next 20 or 30 years we'll see the Lion King dragged out for to make more money? I mean, I think obviously there's this Barry Jenkins sequel, right? Yeah. Pre prequel sequel. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of killing two birds with one stone. Can I say, it's a weird premise to me that the prequel sequel is going to be Simba ruling the kingdom post-Lion King in the present with flashbacks to Scar and Mufasa as young lions. Because Scar and Mufasa are both dead. Yeah, it's like, what does that affect in the present? Yeah, what is that reflecting? Because neither of them are there to sort of like be learning from their past. Interesting. Well, maybe we will find out. I mean, we'll see it. We'll be duty-bound to... Pay Disney our 50 bucks oh, and sit in the theater. <laughs> Whatever that thing comes out. Damn. Christmas 2027. Probably have to walk through a VR like safari to go see it even. Okay, wait. Would you hazard a guess at a ranking for these? The ranking? I thought we were talking about the Lion King. Uh, at two, Pumbaa. <laughs> uh, yes, I would try my best. I would say... Let me see. I'd say number five, The Lion King 2, Simba's Pride, Dishonor, Disgrace. Number four. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that song. <laughs> That's the only memorable Wait, I'm gonna, part of I'm the gonna movie. I'm going to look that song up right after this. 
Number four, The Lion King 2019. Number three, The Lion King one and a half. Number two, Black is King. Number one, The Lion King 1994. That's how I would do it. Mm. I think The Lion King and Black is King are both like really visually stunning. Black is King is maybe more of an artistic achievement. Certainly like morally and culturally way more exciting than The Lion King. But it is definitely really indebted to the blueprint of The Lion King. Mm. I think it's a little bit less satisfying because it loses the plot. Which wouldn't be a problem if it didn't have a plot. But it has a plot and then it loses it. That's that's fair. What would be your ranking? So we got five. It's going to be Lion King 2. Four is going to be live action. No, you know what? Five is live action. Wow. I would rather. Really? Yeah. Really? Because I would watch Lion King 2 again for like the meme of it. But I would not do the same thing for the live action. Like, I don't find any value, even in, like, making fun of the live action one, where I think the Lion King 2 is, like, kind of absurd and not good, but wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful to, like, watch and laugh at. Then I would go with... <sighs> then it gets really hard. Yeah, the, the, the other three are all good, genuinely. So, so then I go... Lion King, Lion King one and a half, and Black is King. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But, like, they're all, like, very close together. It's You like the parody more than the original? Yeah, I do. I think it improves on it in some ways. It is still satisfying. Like, that movie yeah. still does work emotionally. Yeah. In a way that a lot of, like, similar, similar-minded takes don't really. In a way that Spaceballs does not. <laughs> yeah. Any other thoughts about the series? Anything we've learned about writing? How to treat a story over <laughs> and over and over again? I mean, I th- think you need an increasingly fresh take. I think that is clear. Think about it this way. If these were five different drafts of a script for an as-yet-unwritten uh-huh. project called The Lion King. Mm-hmm. Which of these do you think is, like, the strongest for that thing? Uh, that's a weird hypothetical, imagining <laughs> that I hadn't seen any of them. I think 94 is the tightest. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the most concise version of that script. But I do think Black King is the most interesting. Mm-hmm. I think you would immediately disregard 2019. Because yeah. you would be like... This is the same as the other one, but longer and worse. Yeah. <laughs> or, or I mean, being charitable, just longer. <laughs> what do you think? Probably the original as well. I would say the original with the aesthetic and cast of Black is King. Hmm. Like that yeah. script. Like that script, which I think is unquestionably strong. Yeah. With like some tighter story and like some dialogue that tied in to character in, in Black is King would be really cool oh i would again say that i would have much rather just have seen a live reading with the cast of 19 than like the movie and like if they really had to do it like if they had to do something like dub it over Mm. like take the original and just like record do a live reading (laughs) over the original playing that'd be cool i don't know that'd be weird but it'd be fun well well Shall we let the lions sleep tonight? I think we shall.
I think we shall. Oh, I just have I had one last thought about this that came to me out of deep memory today as I was walking over here. I used to have a Simba costume when I was a kid and used to dress up as Simba often, even though I had never seen the movie. And there are pictures of me dressed up as Simba. It was originally a Halloween costume, but in my household this really stayed just for being for Halloween. Wow. And I hadn't thought about it in years until I was just walking over here today and was like, oh, yeah, I do have a childhood connection with this. Oh, well, you got to find, you got to send the pic and we'll post it up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll find the one. Shall we reveal what next we have in store? Yeah, we shall. Did we come up up with a clever name for this one? Pull up a seat because it's going to be Denny for two. I love it. That's so good. (laughs) We're sticking with it. All right, so we're we're gonna delve into the works of Denis Villeneuve. Mm-hmm. He's a director, French Canadian, French Canadian director, who's released several films in the past decade or so. Many of which have been acclaimed in the sci-fi realm. Three of those that are of a special import right now are Arrival with Amy Adams in 2016. Mm-hmm. Blade Runner 2049 uh, with Ryan Gosling, Harrison Ford, and... Oh, Ana de Armas. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one. Yes, and then Sicario, which is also very famous. Apparently very good. I haven't seen it. And then Dune, the big one. The one that is coming out this fall and that this series is going to be lined up kind of to come out with that being the last episode. Yeah, so we're uh, watching all of his films leading up to the release of Dune. And I'm going to make a promise here. I am going to read Dune before we watch it. I'm making a promise here on air that I am going to read one book over the next two months. And indeed finish it. Okay. I, I hope putting it on air holds you to it. Well, you're you're certainly looking forward to the Dune movie. Am I, right? I am. That's a big part of why we picked this. So stoked for Dune. I love Dune. But I also love Denny. I've loved him since Arrival. I haven't seen much of his previous stuff, but I did see Blade Runner when it came out. And Mm. I'm just excited. I've always heard good things about his stuff, being dark and twisty and psychological, which is all the sorts of stuff that we like to get into. Uh, A little sci-fi, a little horror. I guess we just felt like it was was time to do a longer-running series, too. Yeah, I am excited to dive back into a longer one. So... We are going to start next Tuesday. We're going to, in August, cover all of his four French films, his foreign language films, starting Tuesday with August 32nd on Earth from 1998. Then we're moving through Maelstrom, Polytechnique, and Incendies. This is going to be a tough series for me reading. Reading. I think it's going to be a tough series for us watching until it gets into at least into the English language ones. I've heard that some of these are pretty bleak, but yeah, I think this is going to be a darker series of movies we're watching. We'll still try and keep it pretty light and frothy for you, <laughs> but it definitely is a. It's going to be a little bit of a shift from the Lion King, I would say for sure. Also in August. If the release date holds, and I think it will, we're going to make a little pit stop to revisit Can't Stop the Peeling. We're going to be covering Nia DaCosta's Candyman, written by Jordan Peele, when that comes out. So cool. So get stoked for that. Well, here's the promise I'm making. I'm saying I'm going to read the Candyman. I'm going to watch all of the other Candyman movies. (laughs) 
I'm going to okay. write a four-part essay on the Candyman to be submitted for when we watch that movie. You're going to watch old Billy Condon's Candyman too? Wait, was he in it? No, he's the he was the guy who did the last two Twilights, the oh. Breaking Dawn movies, and did his first do... movie oh. was Candyman too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then in September, we're going through the English language films Prisoners, Enemy, Sicario, Arrival, and Blade Runner 2049, all leading up to us watching Dune when it comes out, which I'm very excited for, in theaters and on HBO Max, so you can watch it from the comfort of your home if you so desire. We're very excited for it. I can't imagine... A world where the movie Dune is finally out. I've been anticipating <laughs> that for so long. Uh, and I should also mention, I think we can reveal this now. We're not going to get into all the details, but over these next two months, please email us your suggestions of movies you want us to cover, movie series you want us to cover on the podcast. Send them to cinemabumspod at gmail.com. When we get into Bumtober, you, dear listener, may just have the chance to select a series that we'll do in the future yourself. So, Gasp! What? Listener participation? So exciting. Yeah, looking forward to this. I think it's going to be a good transitioning us into the fall. A good oh, of, yeah. Yeah, as the weather gets colder, the days get shorter, the movies get darker. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what you want. Honestly, you want to be heading right into mid-November, right as the gloom really starts to set in. That's exactly when you want to watch... X2, X3, Devil All the Time, and X4 <laughs> in three days. Cool. Well, we'll see you guys Tuesday. We're going to be back with a fan favorite to talk about August 32nd on Earth. Ooh. So until then, um, thanks, thanks for listening. Yeah, I love you guys. Thanks for listening. really does mean a lot that you've stuck with us. Yeah. And we're going to keep keep trying to make it better, keep doing it. Yeah. If you're stuck on us, I guess we're stuck with you. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts. It is created and produced by Emma Temple and me, Wade Lawrence Holloman. I also edit and mix the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckman. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week.